consider the moon. It is on average 238,855 miles from Earth. That's a 76-hour spaceship ride at 25,000 miles per hour. The moon is very far. Much farther than our youth science textbooks led us to believe. This is an audio podcast, so it's difficult to visualize it to scale, but just imagine distant. Yet, when John F. Kennedy looked up into the night sky, the moon seemed so close he could almost touch it. Maybe he and Jackie O had watched It's a Wonderful Life one too many times. What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Barry. I'll take it. Or maybe a dog and a guy named Yuri were in his head. Whatever the case, the 35th president had the moon in his sights. And that worried James Webb. Webb was the administrator of the newly formed National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA. His concern was less with the moon and more with the science and technology needed to get there. Solar physics, lunar and planetary science, astronomy, space biosciences, the type of stuff JFK didn't really care about. I'm not that interested in space, JFK famously told Webb and his NASA colleagues during a White House sit-down on November 21st, 1962. Just two months earlier, the president had delivered his iconic moon speech at Rice University. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. And five months before that, he proclaimed during a joint session of Congress, I believe this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to Earth. So this revelation was news to them. However, organizations need people like JFK. He may not have been pragmatic like Webb, but he was a visionary. Granted, he was politically motivated, but a visionary nonetheless. He rallied the country, and against all odds, the country responded. So how did he do this? Up to that point, America had only 15 minutes of human spaceflight experience. As one NASA official put it, they didn't know, quote, a damn thing about the surface of the moon, let alone how they were going to build a module to land on it. Well, time to put on your spacesuits and prepare for blast off, because today we're shooting for, well, you guessed it, the moon. Welcome to Often Imitated, a podcast about remarkable experiences from the past and how they inspire people to create great customer experiences today. This episode is all about putting a wig on your CX. That's wildly important goal for the uninitiated. Today, we'll hear from Abakar Saidov, CEO of Beamery, the talent lifecycle management company. He'll share with us how they are creating more human experiences across every stage of the talent lifecycle, as well as making customer experience a priority. But first, a word from our sponsors. Often Imitated is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising and CX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experiences from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Hear more executive perspectives on CX transformation at oracle.com slash CX. 
you know how this story ends, or rather, the heights it reached. On July 20th, 1969, astronauts Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong were the first humans to step foot on the moon. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. It was the culmination of the Apollo program that JFK had set into motion eight years prior, and it was the result of a direct challenge to focus on a single wildly important goal. James Webb's valid concerns did not get pushed to the side in the intervening years. However, solar physics and space biosciences were never going to propel America to the moon. They were not going to be, as JFK put it, the dramatic evidence that proved America's preeminence in space. Sometimes in the face of competing objectives, organizations need to narrow their focus and rally around one galvanizing mission. So we talked to the CEO of Beamery, Abakar Saidov, who knows this all too well. We run uh, our company, what we call uh, Four North Stars. So, you know, our guiding principles, and those are building a winning team, creating a category-defining product, making our customers wildly successful, and you know, growing the business for the long term. And making our customers wildly successful is something that is actually currently the, the biggest North Star that we, that we rally around. It seems we're all looking to the cosmos for inspiration. So who is Beamery and what do they do? So Beamery is a enterprise software company. We're a, a talent lifecycle management platform that helps some of the world's largest companies uh, deliver you know, much more human experiences for, for talent. And what we really focus on is unlocking the skills and the potential for, for the global workforce. Started the company at the beginning with my brother, Sultan, and a friend of ours, Mike, the three of us, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. We had this idea, this, this mission that we wanted to really solve what we think of as the, the passport lottery problem, you know, where you're born has the, the biggest impact on your earning potential and your livelihood. And we thought to ourselves as, as you know, immigrants to, to the UK from Russia, we, we saw firsthand how our parents struggled it's really hard to create opportunity and that actually everyone doesn't have equal access to opportunity. Everyone doesn't have equal access to the, the careers that they want and deserve. And you know, we set out on this mission to essentially make the career opportunity something that was a basic human right. And you know, rather than pounding the table and protesting, we thought, let's, let's think about changing how businesses operate. Let's uh, create something that fundamentally makes the experience for humans and for talent much more customer-centric. As we know, the last two years have changed the way we work dramatically. Call it the great resignation or the great reevaluation. Beamery is poised to meet those changes. Where we are at with with talent acquisition at the moment is there's been a a big shift, uh, especially in the last couple of years with with COVID, where you know up until really about three years ago, organizations were excited to just move to the cloud. So all of those HR processes that you knew and loved 10 years ago, 20 years ago, all that had happened historically is they were just now done in the cloud, but they weren't any different and people were not better equipped. The, the last two years has focused and forced businesses to really think about their approach to talent, but specifically around technology and data. And so what, what our business has been doing is not just building uh, much better workflows for the organization, but actually equipping them with, with the AI and the skills to be able to do that. So when, say, that recruiter logs in and says, hey, I'm looking for X, technology is now able to help them to say, well, X can look like this, we can look like this. And actually the people you're talking to, even though they look different, actually are both able to do this, this, this role that you're looking to fill. 
When it comes to hiring, sometimes companies don't realize the skills available under their own roof. Abacar and B. Marie have a solution. For example, if you said, hey, as a sales leader, you've come out of a meeting with your CEO and they say, we need to grow 100% next year. And you go, oh my, I need uh, 100 sales reps. And what if you could go into something that would say, well, good news. What we can tell from your current talent pool is that you've got a whole bunch of sales development folks that within 12 months will be ready for a promotion given their development. And 30 of those sales reps that you need to hire, you're actually already going to be able to promote from internally. So you only need to hire 70. And what we can also tell you is that there's a whole bunch of people in marketing that actually have the right skill set. So you can do 20 of those through internal transfer and internal mobility. So now you only need to hire 50. And you thought you were going to be hiring in Boston, but the talent intelligence we can provide you is that it'd be much faster for you to hire in New Jersey because there's much bigger talent pool available. And the time to hire in New Jersey is you know, 30 days faster. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, obviously, yes, but that's never been available before. Before seems like a long time ago. And I'm not even talking about the 1950s and 1960s. Back then, HR was all about administration and getting payroll and benefits right. Or later, when recruiting was being put out on classified ads and collecting hard copy resumes. Abacar is referencing modern HR. Many large companies are still using first-generation applicant tracking systems. When we first started the company, we, we did about 20 or 30 interviews with CHROs, VPs of talent acquisition, and we just asked them, you know, what are you doing? And, you know, what are your biggest things that you're, you're trying to solve? And this is where it was a real revelation because, you know, at the same time, we're building self-driving cars, we're building all these amazing technologies. And the things we were hearing were things like, hey, can you tell me what skills are touching my company? Like, I've, I don't even know my employee skills. I, I have to like look on LinkedIn to be able to even tell that because it's not captured anywhere. Like the, the existing kind of HR tools only tell you the employment records, you know, the benefits and payroll and things like that. And then we said, okay, well, tell us how you, you feel when you roll. Like, let's say you want to hire someone. What do you do? Walk us through this process. And the answer was, well, we create the job and then we tell the recruiter to go start looking. And we then said, didn't you just fill this job six months ago or a year ago? Surely you have like thousands of candidates. And the answer was, oh yeah, but that's not searchable. And that data is old. And it's easier for us to just go and find more rather than look at that. And you'll go, okay, interesting. And what happens before somebody applies for a job? Where are they? And the answer is they don't exist. And so there was this like interesting set of problems that we saw. And then couple that with, oh, but if, if somebody internally is really good for that job, surely you should be reaching out to them and the answer was, oh, that's a different team, and those teams don't talk to each other. And you're like, oh, wow, there's a, there's a lot of problems. And, and so the <laughs> toiling away in the desert is, we, we had literally moved from you know, paper resumes to just online resumes, and, and nothing had really changed about how, how we interpret and, and how we work. Beamery is helping customers make incredible talent experiences and unlock their workers' potential. Their customers are among the most innovative, forward-thinking businesses in the world. We tend to work with you know, market leaders, pioneers, innovators, really forward-thinking companies. It's, it's very broad on, on the industry side, so it could be anything from technology to banking to retail to consumer goods and infrastructure. I think the, what we're really proud of is being able to you know, solve really complex problems for, for the world's biggest organizations, you know, the likes of Amazon, AstraZeneca, Disney, Uber. The way we tend to think of, of you know, our, our clients and organizations is 
talent needs to become a strategic priority. It needs to become something that they're willing to invest in. You know, if you, if a customer comes to us and says, "Hey, I have 200 employees. Can you can you help me fill 10 jobs?" That's not the right mindset. If the mindset is, "Hey, I want to put in amazing processes and amazing experiences, and I want to make sure that talent acquisition, talent retention, talent development are actually strategic advantages for us," that's the the right type of client for us. Beamery's onboarding process begins with a data ingestion and a data audit. One of the things that we do when we start with uh, with a customer is we do a, a data ingestion and a data audit, and then align that to you know the, the core goals and priorities. And we had a couple of customers where they were they were shocked to learn that, for example, they had uh, this is now maybe seven eight years ago a huge push towards hiring female engineers and. They weren't able to find any or that many, and they were having to pay recruiting agencies to go and help them find talent. And then the data audit showed that they had like 3,000 engineers who met all of their criteria that applied for jobs and no one even responded at all. And the ability to even like do that better of like, here are people that are relevant that you should talk to that uh, even forgetting the good experience. Now, coming back to the, the point you're making, even if you were able to do that well, Compare the experience of I applied for a job and didn't hear back for two weeks versus I apply for a job and then the next day or even the same day, I get a text from somebody saying, hey, I want to talk to you. You get an opportunity to speak to your hiring manager the next day. And the, the speed at which we now have to operate has changed dramatically because if we're buying things online and we're expecting this amazing service and you know maybe this touches on the workforce and you know, Gen Z and millennials, like we, we expect instant feedback and instant gratification all the time. And if some organizations and their, and their teams are going to give us that, the ones that aren't are going to get left behind. When it comes to CX, Abukar and his team like to focus on the edge cases, the outliers. For them, ensuring customer satisfaction is about executing at a high level across the board. We uh, did a piece of work last year where we looked at, you know, our support experience is amazing, our Average time to respond is superb, way better than our SLAs. But are there any customers that were unhappy? And of course, every organization has some. And so we said, okay, when a customer is unhappy with their support experience, what happened? And you quickly realize that in those edge cases, what happened is it took us way too long to come to them with, with a solution. And then you start unpacking, well, why did that happen? What broke down? You know, the, the five whys. And what you realize is that some process broke and you know, maybe it was the response wasn't tagged very well or somebody was off rota and they didn't get a response and that it was missed. And so what we believe uh, is critically important to provide, providing a good customer experience is not being good on average. It's actually never being bad. And if you're never bad and you really focus on those, your average goes up automatically. But there's been a priority shift at Beamery. They've set their next wildly important goal. It was a company-wide decision that has narrowed down their focus on something they want to significantly improve, their customer experience. So right now, one of the ways that we manage the, the organization is we use this framework called 4DX, which is four disciplines of execution, which basically the, the core principle is you have your business strategy and you're doing all these things and you're growing revenue and building product. But if you were to turn one dial to 11, which dial would that be? And we actually decided uh, a number of quarters ago that we wanted the customer experience dial to be the one turned to 11. 
which means it's not just the customer experience team's job to do it, it's the whole company's job. And so what we've actually done is every single team in the company uses something um, called WIGs, Wildly Important Goals, to create a, a scoreboard of how am I and how is my team impacting that customer experience. So for example, you sit down with an engineering team and you say, you're building all these products, but what do you think you can do specifically to impact customer experience? And they say, oh, actually, we know these five customers that have been nagging us about these bugs and you know they're really unhappy and you're like, great. So this becomes the thing that you do, not with all of your time, but you're allocating 20% of your time to something that is wildly important, which is making that customer experience better. And so that's something that we've, we've really invested in as well. And the investment has yielded incredible results. Absolutely. I mean, we've had uh, huge shifts in all of the metrics we just talked about even ones as hard to shift as, uh, as MPS. I think we've had a 30-point increase in MPS over the last couple of quarters. And so it's definitely working. We're definitely not there yet where we want to be. But as you said, you know, <laughs> we, we have very, very ambitious goals. But I think we have, and, and that's actually some, the last thing I've mentioned is it's so important to celebrate that success because I think that in running a fast growth company, it's always next play, next play, next play, right? And so something that we think about a lot is uh, how to make sure that even the little wins that you're celebrating really well with the team. As JFK would have said, ask not what your CX can do for you, but what you can do for your CX. Our advice is to put a wig on it. Wildly important goal. The day-to-day work will always be there and should not be overlooked or undermined. But when leaders channel their efforts towards a singular focus, be it impacting CX or lunar impact, it's amazing to see how we're able to reach our goals. One more thing I wanted to note, that Beamery launched a new podcast called The Talent Blueprint to share stories of their amazing customers and the world's top talent leaders who are attracting, engaging, and retaining world-class talent. And it makes me think, whenever you make a wildly important goal, you need to make sure that you spend the time to promote those results. You gotta market it. I mean, imagine if JFK never did any speeches. Never underestimate the power of the human voice. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our friends at Oracle. Make every interaction matter with Oracle Advertising and CX. Connect all your data and empower your entire business to deliver exceptional customer experiences from acquisition to retention and everything in between. Hear more executive perspectives on CX transformation at oracle.com slash CX. This is your host, Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. Thank you for listening to another episode of Often Imitated. If you like what you're hearing, tell one friend. This podcast was narrated by me, Ian Faison, written by Ben Odo, and produced and edited by Mackie Wilson, Ezra Baker Trippiano, and John Libby. You can hear more about our team at caspianstudios.com.